Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Uh, I am merely Andy Barron's back again. Here for our second-to-last live stream of the preseason, uh, we're joined today, pretty excited about this, by new Yahoo Fantasy contributor Jennifer Eakins. Uh, she joins me. She's just in the other square over there. You should be following her on Twitter, at The Monday Mommy. Uh, you can read her excellent work at 4 for 4. You can see her work on NBC Sports Edge. And now, of course, on Yahoo Fantasy this season. Jennifer, welcome to the Yahoo family. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. I am doing fantastic on this wonderful Monday morning. Um, I'm excited to be part of Yahoo. I'm excited to be getting down to the nitty gritty of draft season. Um, yeah, we're in it now. We were, you and I were both in, uh, in the same segment on the on the uh, NBC Sports Edge uh, mock draft show. What uh, days ago, right? Like uh, Thursday <laughs> of last week. That was that was super fun. We're not going to play it out, even though it's the best grade that I've ever received from Yahoo in a <laughs> fantasy draft in my life, and I'll never receive an A plus again. I, I I don't think I've ever seen an A plus. I'm I'm still excited about it. Um, but that was good times, and uh, I, again, we're we're excited to to see you shoot. You've got a you've got a story that I think is leading the fantasy page at Yahoo right now, off of uh, off of four for four. So it's just it's great to have you contribute. I want to mention to, to everybody watching us right now, and especially to anybody listening to this on a Tuesday uh, as a as a mere podcast, that's great. I appreciate that you did it. Um, you'll get partial credit for it, um, but also kind of <laughs> shame on you. We're doing this thing as a live stream, uh, and why not be part of it? Um, our final preseason live stream is going to be next Monday. It's August 30 at 1 p.m. Eastern, just like all the others, streaming on yahoosports.com, the Yahoo Fantasy app, as well as Yahoo Sports handles on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, anything else that I have uh, forgotten, it's probably streaming there too. Get yourself signed up for Fantasy League on Yahoo if you haven't done that already, of course. And if you really want the leg up on your league mates and uh, the competition out there in the fantasy world, give Yahoo Fantasy Plus a test drive, please. There's all sorts of great bonus features there to help you win your league this season. Um, all sorts of great data that you won't find on the regular site, some content as well. There's a newsletter that I am that I am producing that I'm having a lot of fun with. Uh, sign up for a league and check out uh, a free trial at yahoo.com slash fantasy football. This first portion of the show is where we normally like to hit some breaking news, right? But I, I'll be honest, I feel like the greatest thing about this preseason is the is the lack of uh, huge catastrophic injuries and draft affecting news. Uh, they, like we just haven't had a ton of it. And it's been great. It means that players by and large are staying healthy, or at least the key players for fantasy purposes. So that's good. Uh, we've got, I don't know, I'm going to lob out a couple of things and you can react to any of them if you like or none of them if you like. Uh, Carson Wentz, uh, we, had, we had a real scare with him, thought he might miss as many as 12 weeks. He seems like he's running and throwing and he's, he's going to be fine for opening week. So that's great. Jamar Chase maybe can't catch right had three drops in the preseason uh that wasn't that wasn't perfect uh it is it has led to the name Auden Tate coming up again as somebody who might see uh might see snaps early in the season but other than that like we've had relatively good injury news uh related to Dak Prescott to AJ Brown to Rashad Bateman Devonte Smith who we feared would would perhaps even miss a game at the start of the season with the MCL injury he's he's already back to playing in the preseason that's good um so it's 
I feel like by and large, I don't know, maybe you're closer to it than I than I am. I'm I'm really clued in on on Justin Fields right now, but I, I don't know if you have any preseason <laughs> reaction or reaction to any of those names. No, I mean, listen, with 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 Carson Wentz, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, great, he's maybe starting week one, but I mean, is he good? Like, is he good? I mean, it's tough <laughs> for me with Carson Wentz to really buy in. I tried last season. Actually, I did buy in quite a bit last season. Um, and then this season, you know, obviously he's in a new offense and, and things are going to be different. But I feel like, I don't know, it's tough for me. I, it scares me a little bit that they are rushing him back so quickly. I don't know that he needs to start week one. But if he does, I guess we'll see, you know, what he really is. is. Um, and then yeah, as far um, as the rest per- of the oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, I think I think perhaps the better news there is that uh, Quentin Nelson uh, presumably back as well. Right. Because we need that mm-hmm. we need that offensive line to be an, an absolute wall, because that was certainly part of the problem for Carson Wentz last year with Philly. Right. Was that he was right. he was just under fire and he did not process it well. He did not deal with it well at all. So we need him protected. Um, we, we need like, you know, we need the offensive line at its best, obviously, for Taylor, for any element of that uh, of that passing game to thrive. But I a little piece of me feels like maybe we overreacted initially to the to the Wentz injury news. And it was a huge like it was a huge range of, of possible time missed. Right. Like it was mm-hmm. I think it was as few as like four weeks or five weeks and as many as 12, which is seriously value affecting. But as you say, I do we even know if he's good at this point. Yeah, I agree. And I think his ADP is probably going to start to climb. I mean, it took a huge dive, right, over the last couple of weeks. I think it's probably going to start to climb as people are more confident that he's going to be back there. But me personally, I do feel like there's probably some some better better quarterbacks that I'm going to go after that are not named Carson Wentz. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get right into questions, actually, from the from the chat, because we've got we had a bunch come in on Twitter before the show started. We, we've got a handful in, uh, in in the chat right now. So if you're watching us on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, Whatever other social platform, um, drop a fantasy question in the chat for Jennifer and I, and we're going to hit a ton of them throughout the show. Um, what do we got here? Let's see. This is from, uh, I'm not seeing it in front of me, but Keeper League with a lot of points for defense. Which team has the best D? Um, so we're getting a we're getting a, a defensive question right away <laughs> from the chat. So uh, I don't know. Where are you at on defenses? Uh, who do you have at the top? Defenses are, I happen to be someone that streams defenses, but if you are going to pick one and ride with them all season, I'd say the Rams are a good choice. Uh, the football team is a good choice. The Steelers are a good choice. I'd say those are probably my top three if you're going to pick one and, and go with them all the way through. Yeah, I've actually, I've had the Washington football team just because, you know, playmakers at every level, mm-hmm. I think, um, I, I mean, I, th- I think they have some guys that can be game wreckers too, right? So like, I've had them at or near the top of my ranks for most of draft season. The the one team that I've really, um, you know, and again, I we, we do a lot of tweaking to a lot of the positional ranks, we maybe don't do as much tweeting or tw- tweeting, tweaking to uh, <laughs> kicker and defense ranks, right? Like, I don't, I don't mess around with my defensive ranks too much. But I have elevated the the Denver Broncos a bit after diving mm-hmm. into schedules, right? Because they they start these these are first three games. Um, it's it's the Giants and then it's the Jaguars and then it's the Jets, right? So I've got I've got two teams with rookie quarterbacks. Maybe the Jags are frisky, maybe they're not. We don't know. It's still a rookie quarterback in all likelihood, and the other guy out there obviously is Daniel Jones. So that's that's right. three pretty <laughs> vulnerable quarterbacks right off the bat. I don't know that Denver is going to end up as my number one defense, but they're like a, you know, you can kind of split the difference between, hey, I get a defense for streaming purposes and I want one that's good all season, right? Like they're they're probably going to start strong. Mm-hmm. It's it, a lot of us expect some sort of leap from Daniel Jones this season, but there's no way that he's not going to give the ball away like once a game, um, maybe more than that. Right. So I, I, I think right off the bat, Denver has a really friendly September. I like it. Well, let's um, actually let's take let's take one more question before we get into um, some of the some of the meat of today's show. And this is a this is a fun one from Jeff Hicks. Uh, he's asking worst situation to be in uh, or to be a wide receiver, <laughs> Denver or Chicago. Both have at least one quarterback with arm talent, but more than questionable coaching and could see offenses change some with QB change. So uh, I don't know. Do you feel more confident in Bears receivers or Broncos receivers? There's so many good Broncos receivers. There's a lot of good Broncos receivers. I feel like 
Um, and they're all pretty undervalued right now too. So that's kind of fun. And, you know, look, it's the preseason. We take with it what we take, right? But both Teddy and Drew Locke have, you know, shown that they can play, you know, and I feel like it's still up in the air which one is going to win that job, but I feel like they're going to be okay and they're going to be able to support, you know, three wide receivers and you have Noah fans. Um, you know, with the Bears, you have pretty much, you know, you have Allen Robinson, who we all know is quarterback proof, so he's fine. And then we're looking at, you know, Mooney. And then you've got what, Cole Komet? I don't really, I mean, I guess to answer the actual question, I guess the Bears is a worse situation to be in, especially because, you know, they seem to be really leaning in on the starting Andy Dalton thing. So I think that might yeah. be, you know, the, the worst situation there. Yeah, I feel like the the Bears receiving core is more what we, you know, it's simpler for fantasy purposes. It's the kind of thing I'm not I'm not trying to compare uh, the Bears receivers exactly to the Vikings receivers. Right. But we we like these receiving cores where we just know where all the targets are going to go. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of mystery with the Bears. We're going to see some deep shots and a lot of opportunities to Darnell Mooney and then like 140 targets for Allen Robinson. Right. And other than that, they're going to sprinkle in the tight ends and Jimmy Graham is going to get a few looks in the red zone. And like, that's it. That's about all we have to worry about. With Denver, there's so much talent there, which is really exciting. And it would have been, you know, like, again, the dream months ago was maybe that team was going to land Aaron Rodgers. And if that was the case, then you'd have somebody who could unlock all of them. Right. So, like, it's one of those teams where I've got, you know, even all the way down to, to KJ Hamler. And Tim Patrick, um, I, I like all these receivers, right? We all like Judy. Um, we, we all like Cortland Sutton, if he can get back to what he was. Everybody likes Noah Fant. Um, but now all of a sudden we're talking about like five guys. And there's, you know, like I like the way Drew Locke has played in the preseason. I like the way Teddy has played in the preseason. And Teddy certainly supported multiple viable fantasy receivers last year in Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. the, neither one of those guys, you know, and this is most quarterbacks, but neither one of those guys is going to unlock five different Broncos receivers. So like, I feel like I have kind of optimistic, rosy, sunshiny ranks on a lot of these guys, but they're not all going to hit. So I actually feel like the Bears receiving core is a little bit simpler. Um, Dalton is a problem at the start of the season. It's just, (laughs) there's so much, you know, I, what would shock me is, um, the, the idea of, of the Andy Dalton era lasting very far into October, right? Because they, they start off the season with the Rams. So that's a tough game and an elite defense right away. Um, that's probably not going to be a clean one. And then he gets to, you know, then he gets to pick on the old team. Then he gets to pick on the Bengals. I'm fairly sure that Andy Dalton is going to start that game as well. But then if we get to a point where the Bears are like, they're one and one, and then let's say they lose to the Browns the next week and they're one and two, I, I just can't, I just can't imagine Andy Dalton surviving that as a starter. I mean, he shouldn't, but you know, there's been weirder <laughs> things that, that we've seen, right? So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I do agree with you that the Bears is definitely simpler from a fantasy perspective when you're looking at it. And it's funny, when you were talking about the Broncos, it's like we even forgot about Albert O. Like, I feel like he's in there, too, and he may, you know, steal yeah. some work from Noah Fant. I mean, he's definitely talented, and he's in there, and they like him. So, you know, just to complicate things even more, I just figured I'd throw out one more name for you. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was honestly I was ready to write the Noah Fant as a as a top four fantasy tight end as soon as Aaron Rodgers came over. It just didn't happen. Uh, right. Like I had the article mm-hmm. half written in my head. I, I was super excited about it. <laughs> Classic case of the underutilized Iowa tight end who blows up in the NFL. Um, well, let's um, before we get to a, any additional questions, I do want to hit on not one, but but two articles that you've relatively recently written, uh, both of them for four for four. Uh, again, one of which is, uh, I believe, the as we're speaking, the top story on on Yahoo Fantasy site, and uh, these are players who could get off to a hot start, and then some some lottery tickety sleeper types at the end of your draft. And so I want to I want to talk first about the about the hot starters because I already mentioned one of them when I was talking about the Denver defense, and that is that is Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has not. You know, and maybe this is just Irvin Meyer having fun. Maybe this is just the idea of, you know, every team in every position needs competition. I have no idea. But Trevor Lawrence, apparently in a position battle with Gardner Minshew, uh, technically, uh, ostensibly. Um, so wh- where are you at on Trevor Lawrence? What is it that you like about his his uh, early season slate? Well, let's see. So first of all, I don't love Trevor Lawrence as a whole, right? Like for the season, <laughs> I'm not going to tell everyone to get out there and draft him as your QB1 in, in a redraft league, a 12-team league. I don't think he's there yet. You know, we haven't even seen him take a real snap. Um, he does. The Jaguars do have a really favorable schedule, though, to start, right? They have 
four defenses out of their first seven games that were 23rd or worse against the quarterback last year. And they averaged, I think it's 20.85 um, schedule adjusted fantasy points to the quarterback position. So if he is indeed the starter and if he is, you know, what, who we think he is, right. He could get off to a really nice start for you. You know, if you are in a position, you know, early in the season where you drafted maybe a different quarterback that maybe has a tougher schedule and you want to kind of go with him. Um, you know, he does have some exciting weapons, right? I mean, LaVisca Chenault is exciting. DJ Chark is somewhat exciting. You know, I think another thing with Trevor Lawrence is he does have some rushing baked in, right? I mean, he'll probably get, I don't know, 15, 25 yards a game on the ground. So you've got that too. You know, it's one of those things where, like I said, I wouldn't, you know, recommend running out and drafting him, you know, over some of these other guys that are more established in, in you know, offenses that are more established. I mean, we also have the Urban Meyer you know, factor, which we really don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, I personally, you know, I don't know if I'm biased from a college perspective. You know, I went to an SEC school. I, I watched him, you know, I just, I don't, you know, I, it might be a personal bias to him, but part of me feels like he's just going to blow up the whole thing and not really, you know, I don't know if he's going to, I don't want to say not succeed on an NFL level, but I just, we just don't really know what he's going to do, right? We already saw the Tebow experiment. Uh, he did make the right call in the end, but, you know, it went on probably longer than it should have. So I guess we'll just have to see with Trevor Lawrence. I think he's a really good, exciting prospect. He has a really good start to the season, but we'll have to kind of see how I get. I, I mean, what if they start Minshew? You know, I can't imagine. Them, though. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. I had been thinking of Trevor Lawrence previously as one of those guys where, like, if you, you know, in a, in a single quarterback league, you may, maybe you want to take a shot with some super high upside play like like Trey Lance or Justin Fields, but you're concerned that, you know, are they even going to see starts in September? I had been thinking of Trevor Lawrence as one of those guys that, uh, that that we can use to patch a lineup together earlier in the season, right? Like, and that and that seems weird because I think Lawrence for the full year probably outscores, you know, Lance and Fields. I've got them ranked that right. way, but I've only got them ranked that way because I don't think that Lance and Fields are going to play 17 games. I'm pretty sure that Lawrence will. I can't I can't really imagine. Like I have to think that this quarterback controversy is just sort of a manufactured thing that will go away by by the time we're we're ready to actually kick. I mean, like you can't you can't invest the number one overall pick with Trevor Lawrence and then say, no, we're gonna let this this scrubby, you know, gonna be a career backup in, in Minshew uh actually actually take the early season snaps. I think the whole thing is a sort of glorious experiment and I have no yeah. idea what to expect. And I feel like I feel like a little bit of a fraud as a fantasy expert to say that I have no idea what to expect in Jacksonville, but we've got We've got Urban Meyer, who does a bunch of really fun things, and we'd kind of like to see the full Urban Meyer offense on display. But then we also have these incredibly boring names on the coaching staff, um, guys that we run away from. And like, but you know, like Brian Schottenheimer is part of this coaching oh. staff. And so does it have more yeah. of the stamp of Urban Meyer or or like, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. And I don't know if, um, you know, I can I can talk myself into LaVisca Chenault, but they actually did pretty boring stuff with him last year and he never went downfield. So like, is it is it going to be like that again? I, I don't know. There's a ton of question marks here. I don't know the I don't know the distribution of touches in the backfield. Like I could, you know, we could write whole columns yeah. about burning questions entering 2021 and only discuss the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like they're a, they're a super fun experiment to me. Um, really interesting team. Let's uh, let's grab another question here, and this I can tie this to the to the Jaguars in a way. I suppose this is from MG bunch of numbers. Would you rather have? Oh, this is kind of a fun draft strategy question. Would you rather have the third option in a high volume offense, someone like Michael Gallup or Tyler Boyd, or the first option in an iffy offense? And the oh man, I can't get past the first name, Brandon Cooks. Um, he's like all Texans to me are super confusing. So how do you, how do you feel about this one? First of all, I think it's an excellent question because it's something that, you know, yeah. we face because Brandon Cooks is always there and he comes around to your pick and it's <laughs> like, do I want him or do I want someone like a Gallup or a Boyd? So I think it's a great question. I've kind of been going with Cooks. Um, I feel like somebody has to get the targets there, right? And they're going to be playing from behind probably 99.2% of the time this season, right? So I feel like it may not be pretty. But I feel like garbage time-wise, Brandon Cooks could be a good person to start in your offense. But I would say – and Davis is – I assume that's Corey Davis. Uh, he's, you know, yeah, coming yeah. to his own, right? And he's, you know, he's, he's having a good, a good camp in preseason. 
I will say though, there is something to, to be said for having, you know, the third weapon on a really high scoring and high powerful offense. Now the Bengals, you know, we're, we're predicting that, but we're not sure that's really going to happen. Right. We're banking on Burrow being what we thought he was. Um, I think in Dallas, I think they're going to score a lot. They are, uh, they, I think they're favored to win 11 games by a touchdown or more or something like that. So I think that they're going to score a lot of points. And I think Gallup is going to be, a, you know, a decent contributor in there, especially, you know, he's going to have some big plays. So I think it, for these specific examples, I'd probably rather go with Gallup or Boyd. But I do, I, I'm not, I don't shy away from Cooks. Like, I feel like he's someone that nobody wants, but yet somebody's going to have to make plays in that offense. Yeah, I mean we're gonna get we're gonna get seventeen games this season, which means that every team is basically gonna produce thirty six hundred passing yards, right? Like there's there's yards to be found everywhere. And Brandon Cooks is clearly where those yards are gonna go with Houston. Um there's not a ton of other viable options, especially when you consider the likely quality of the quarterback situation there. I, you know, shoot, dating back to college fantasy leagues that I was in, I used to play in this Big Ten college fantasy league. I'm going to revive it again this season. And like I was always on Nico Collins and Nico Collins never really satisfied me. Maybe he'll be a thing, but there's just there's just not a ton of other options uh, for Houston right now. So it's it's Cooks and he's he's given us a thousand yards every place he shows up. He's he's normally been tied to all time quarterbacks. So this will be an interesting uh, experimental year for him. But volume is surely going to be there. I guess I t- in in situations like this, I I tend to 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 choose the targets if I'm in if I'm in a a really deep league, right? Like if I'm in if I'm in some sort of league where I can't I can't take a lot of zeros, and, and I've I've I just want somebody to produce I don't know six eight points in a given week. I might you know I'm in a I'm in a twenty teamer, I'm in an eighteen teamer, and in in places like that, I might just find comfort in the targets that I'm going to find in somebody like Brandon Cooks. But I I gotta say in most leagues, like if I get in these you know twelve team leagues, ten team leagues, things like that, I, I always I always chase the upside of a great offense, and and I think you've I think you've hit on two of the right offenses here as well in, in Dallas and, and Cincinnati, you, Jennifer, you alluded to it with the, uh, with the Bengals. Um, you know, Joe Burrow last year was on a, and I, who knows if this will continue into the current season, he's coming off an injury and all that, but like after 10 games at the, at the time that he got injured last year, he was averaging 40 pass attempts a week. That would get you over 17 games. That would get you almost to 700. Um, that's crazy volume. There's no question he can support, you know, on volume like that, there's no doubt that they can support three viable fantasy receivers. And it's basically the same situation in Dallas, right? They were, I mean, shoot, Dak averaged 371 passing yards per game last year before he got hurt, which is, he's not going to sustain that, but you know, that can, that can regress in a huge way and it's still 300 plus. And that's going to, that's going to make Michael Gallup interesting. I'd think about the Steelers too, right? Like I would definitely take a shot with like Chase Claypool over either of these guys. And even if it's a high variance player, even if those guys become like, you know, super high variance players, they're, they're on such quality offenses that when they really pop, you, you win your week because of them. So I, I like to carry a player like that as my third receiver in a, in a league of standard size. Yeah, no, I agree. And we can also lump in like Emmanuel Sanders for me. I've been taking him all day, every day. I love Emmanuel Sanders this season yeah. in that Bills offense. And a lot of people kind of think he's older or whatever it is, but the Bills are going to put up a lot of points. They're going to throw the ball a lot, as they've shown in the past. And I think Sanders is in a really great spot this year to produce. Um, a, a couple other names that were on your on your hot start list, um, and I, I find these two endlessly interesting and challenging. And I, I got to say, I think I've... I think I've drafted Chase Edmonds a couple of times, but that's out of a ton of best ball leagues so far. Like I've mostly shied away from the the Cardinals backfield, but you did mention Chase Edmonds and James Conner. Where do you have them ranked? How close do you have them together? And what's your what's your guess at how touches will be distributed there? Like you said, it's super tough. And I actually haven't really drafted either of these guys very much. But, um, you know, the article was about early starts and and, you know, people that are, are, have great, you know, early starts of their season, right. Against, against the running back um, defenses. So basically, you know, they have their, their first three games are against uh, Tennessee, who was 28th last year, Minnesota, who was 23rd, and then Jacksonville, who was 30th against the running back. So they're in a great spot. Now, the problem is it's just tough to figure out what's going to happen. And it's like, we, 
we'd love to look to the preseason, right, to see what ha- what will happen. But I mean, okay, so Chase Edmond so far has four rushes for 13 yards this preseason and one catch for 10, and James Conner has two rushes for one yard. That is literally their output that has happened in the first two weeks of the season. So, I mean, I don't know what to do with these guys either, really. I mean, Edmonds did get the start. Um, Connor came in on the second drive. You know, I think Edmonds is going to be used more in pass catching. We know that, right? But I just feel like I'm kind of out on both. I mean, I would love to, you know, if you end up in a pickle in a draft and you really need someone to start those first couple games that, that may, you know, that have, that have easy schedules, then go for it. But I feel like... It's tough. I mean, right now, I think Edmonds is a seventh rounder on Yahoo and James Conner is a 10th rounder in their Yahoo ADP. I mean, they're both affordable, you know, but I just don't know that I'm going to invest in either of them, even with the easy schedule. Yeah. Ed- Edmonds is one of those guys who's sort of at the at the fringes of, I guess, the 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 term that we use for it now is the running back dead zone, right? Just like those right. rounds where it's it's always been a minefield for running backs and occasionally they pop and often they don't. But the the reason it's really such a minefield is that there's so many good receivers there, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you just look at you look at drafts last year and there were a million misses um from the from the running back dead zone. That's where that's where people, you know, that's where people drafted Mark Ingram. That's where that's where people made a thousand different mistakes. But there were also some guys like David Montgomery who popped out of that area of the draft. But the the real cost is that that's where we found Stefan Diggs. That's where we found DK Metcalf, right? Like the receivers that you can get there end up being like almost league winning receivers um, and some of the players that are that are most key to, to title winning teams that that's sort of the opportunity cost with uh, Chase Edmonds. It may, it may not feel like it right now, but like there are receivers who are going around him who are going to end up catching 115 balls, 120 balls and are going to be real difference makers. The reason that I have I will say the reason that I have Edmonds ahead in my ranks is that. I feel like the one role that we can trust there is he's still going to have that pass catching role, right? It was it was 50 plus receptions last season that is clearly still going to be there this year. I am skeptical of him having a, a, a role in goal to go situations. I think that's probably where they want to use James Conner. That's been my assumption all along. And or I haven't Kyler. really seen anything. That, yeah, yeah. Or that that's the other that's the other pitfall here is <laughs> is it's a it's a team that has the that sort of Josh Allen effect and the Cam Newton effect where we have to worry about the quarterback taking all the all the rushing touchdowns in sort of the money area of the field. Agreed. Well, so let's I guess hit, we're, we're uh, both- let's yeah, yeah, I got we're we're both equally confused there. Let's uh let, let's take another question from the uh from the chat. This is from Fantasy Fiend 84. If you are looking to draft an elite tight end or QB early, let's see, presuming regular one QB league format, does that, oh man, another, this is a good draft strategy question. Does that preclude you from drafting the other position early as well? That is a really good question. Um, Yeah, I, I would say that yes, but there are exceptions, right? If you want to go with Kelsey Mahomes, you know, stack, early on, then I think you could try to pull that off. You're going to sacrifice draft capital other places, though. But um, that stack is, you know, a great stack to have, and both those guys are, are going to produce together. Uh, so I feel like that would kind of be the only exception there. I feel like if you do go with, with a Kelsey or a Kittle or a Waller, um, you kind of have to pass on quarterback after that because then you're going to um, – you need to kind of make it up and, and grab an elite receiver or an elite running back. I just don't know if it'll balance out for you well in the end if you if you kind of take both. Yeah, one thing I'll say is that in you know if you play in uh, what is actually a, one of the most common formats at Yahoo, if you play in a if you play in a ten team league, you can do anything. Um, you can get away with anything, right? You can you can reach for any position early. You can reach for players um, uh, well ahead of ADP, and it and it all works out because the waiver wire is going to be a wonderful place that is coughing up usable <laughs> usable players every week, right? Like it's just it, you can do anything. As you start getting as you start getting deeper, um, and, and we start talking about not just, maybe it's a twelve team league with a million flex spots, or maybe it's a fourteen team league, things like that. There's there's definitely an opportunity cost to doing this. And um, I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the only draft slot where I have consistently fallen into something like a zero RB roster build has been where I was, for example, in the, in the NBC Sports Edge mock uh, last week. If I'm picking like 11th, 12th, 14th, something like that at the, you know, my, my goal 
at that point is I want to have some sort of discernible team strength when I leave the draft. And it's probably not going to be at running back, right? Because uh-huh. I, if I'm in a situation like that and like like 10 of the first 12 picks before, before I even get an, an opportunity to choose have already been running backs. And now I'm staring at like Joe Mixon at the tail end of the first round. And, and, and it's right. that Eckler Joe Mixon choice. I'm going to pivot to another position every time. And I, I also feel like if you if you intend on a zero RB build or you fall into a zero RB build, it's pretty important to make sure that you also nail the tight end position. You can't just, you know, it can't just be wide receivers for seven picks. I mean, it, maybe it can. I've seen John Daigle do it, but um, you, you probably shouldn't, right? Like you should you should be strong at tight end. You should be dominant at receiver. And you should probably give yourself one of those top six, uh, you know, dual threat quarterbacks as well so that's where i do it but then you're going to leave a draft knowing that your running backs are just going to be terrible and you're going to have to wrap your head around the fact that i'm i'm not going to be happy with my running back situation so it's just something that you've got to predetermine but but there are opportunity costs to it and i've i've been in plenty of other drafts and this is the maybe a pitfall of my own ranks is i've got kelsey so damn high because he was such a difference maker last season and he was such a ridiculous positional edge last season i've i mean i've got him six overall so I take a lot of Travis Kelsey in the first round, and I, I, w- I will say often the opportunity cost has been that I can't be in on, you know, Lamar Jackson and uh, Travis Kelsey or, or Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. It's just really hard to do because you sacrifice so much at wide receiver and running back. I don't know. I don't know how many times you've actually tried this. I don't know how many times you've actually paired a, a tight end and running back in early rounds so far. Um, I haven't. I'm usually, like you said, I'm um, of the ilk of if I'm in, in the 10, 11, 12 spot, anything like that, I'm usually going with some sort of a zero RB situation. So um, I haven't really tried that. I've been able to do, um, I have done like a Diggs and then Allen in, in the fourth or fifth if he falls to me, you know, as a stack. So I have been able to do that, um, but not tight end and quarterback. It's tough to do. All right. The the last name I think I want to get to from your from the hot start piece that you wrote is and I want to expand this out from this one player. Um, you mentioned Robbie Anderson in there. If people aren't aware of the start to Carolina season, it's incredible. And like I'm, I, it's 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 had me tempted to make a case for Sam Darnold even. Right. Because like they just I mean, it's a layup line. Uh, it, and we're wrong about this stuff all the time, right? We're bad at, at gauging strength of schedule like before the season even starts. But like, I think they start with the Jets. They've just it's just one um, uh, cupcake after another for a while, and they have a chance to start the season perhaps on a winning note. And Darnold has a chance to start great, and obviously this sets up really well for Robbie Anderson, who has a history with Darnold. Um, Terrace Marshall's look great in the preseason so far. Um, I don't know. Like, talk about the the Carolina Panthers a little bit because it really is an amazing beginning to their season. Yeah, it is. They start. They actually start out Houston, Dallas, Philly, Minnesota, and Atlanta, who were all twenty fourth or worse against uh, wide receivers last <laughs> season. So it's beautiful for all for DJ Moore, for Robbie Anderson, for Terrence Marshall. Like you said, the question we have is Sam Darnold. I've been drafting him in best ball leagues. I've been drafting him late because I've been trying, you know, I I can kind of get that stack pretty cheaply, Um, especially, you know, Terrace Marshall. He'll probably rise as we get closer to the, to the full bulk of draft season. Um, He started to rise quite a bit. Um, Right now, I believe he's wide receiver 69. Robbie is wide receiver 32. So I feel like all of these guys are affordable. Their schedule is amazing to start, you know, and I love, I love Robbie specifically, you know, he's that big play guy, you know, and him and Darnold have that history of the big play, you know, situation. So I think he, it's exciting. And, and, you know, he's always there for me usually, you know, I think it's around six or seven, depending on the league. But, um, and, you know, DJ Moore has actually been creeping up. Like he was in the fourth, he was actually in the fifth round to start the year. And now I've seen him go in the third. So he's, you know, starting to price out a little bit because if we get Jet Sam Darnold, then DJ Moore might not be, you know, such a great commodity there in the third round. But um, I feel like Robbie's kind of the sweet spot where he's not too pricey. He's not too, you know, terrorist, maybe not a flash in the pan, but he is a rookie. So we're not exactly sure what we're going to get. But I feel like Robbie's kind of that middle spot where he's affordable. He has huge play capability and they have a really easy start to the season. Yeah, I'm. I just to go back to Terrace Marshall. First of all, he's he's uh, produced a highlight play in each preseason game uh, so far. So that's that's added to the buzz a little bit. 
by the way, a couple of those plays were were made possible by PJ Walker, who's looked awesome. It's a little weird to me that they're they're not even playing Sam Darnold in the preseason. Like he, I, I think he's attempted two passes, right? Like they're barely risking him in the preseason, and it, it's questionable to me whether Sam Darnold has attained the status where we're like, okay, we know what we have in that guy. We got to protect him at all costs. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Marshall has looked great. I don't think it's any I don't think it's any knock against him that he was never the number one on his team necessarily in college. Right. Because that team also had Justin Jefferson and, and Jamar Chase. And uh, I, I don't know, like that. that's fine. Most receivers wouldn't be the number one on that team. He's got size. He's got a little bit of speed and separation ability. So I think Marshall's fun and he's probably going to end up. I don't know if not if not wide receiver 50, he's probably going to land in the 50s somewhere as somebody that we are just consistently taking flyers on. So. I like him. Um, it's a yeah, it's a it's a fun team with an absolutely great early season schedule. So uh, I thought that was a good call out by you. Let's uh, let's take another question here. Um, this is oh, this is an interesting one about Nick Chubb. Is it crazy to want to trust Chubb at number three overall in a twelve team league? I'm going to go ahead and say yeah, that's a little crazy. Um, I don't like I don't mind a little bit of crazy in a draft, but um, seems seems kind of crazy. I don't know your thoughts on Chubb. Well, to, to, to start out, um, I am a huge UGA homer. That is where I went to college. I love Nick Chubb. <laughs> I love Nick Chubb like no one else, but I'm not taking him at third overall. Uh, I, I think he's got, you know, there's a lot of weapons in that offense. He's got Kareem Hunt to deal with. I don't know that he's in a situation where he's going to produce, you know, the third highest fantasy points this season. I just, I don't see it. Um, I don't love the third spot. Uh, let's just get that out of the way. I don't love, you know, after after two, I'd kind of rather be at 11 through 12, you know, 12. So it is a tough spot to pick what you're going to do, but I'm not going to go Chubb there. But I do love him, and I do feel like he's a really good pick at the end of the first early early second round. Uh, I just – I don't think he's got the, the volume and the that offense. I just don't know that he'll produce that kind of, you know, that output this season. Yeah, we're we're very much in the same place on this um, because I, I have no problem imagining Nick Chubb winning this year's or any year's rushing crown. Like, I think that is I don't know, I'd be I'd be surprised if at some point Nick Chubb didn't win a rushing crown because I he's just that good. Right. Like he's going to he's going to get plenty of rushing volume. We know that hyper efficient, big play threat. I love watching him play like in my mind, he is actually one of those. I, I don't know if there's if there's five running backs in the league at any given time who are true difference makers at the position. I think he is one of those guys. That said, we need somebody who's going to do everything uh, at, at number three. And, and Kareem Hunt's going to play like Kareem Hunt is going to play in a in a pretty sizable role. I know that we all find reasons to run away from Derrick Henry, right? And and of course, nobody's saying that Derrick Henry is going to repeat the season that he just had, but he's had two phenomenal seasons in a row. And he's not going to catch a ton of passes either, just like Chubb, except we've already seen a 2,000 scrimmage yard season from him. And we know that he's, you know, there's, there's nobody else who's going to eat into his touches. And if you told me that Derrick Henry was going to have 400 touches this season, sure, uh, of course he will. Like, that's how they want to use him. That's how they intend to use him. So... For me, I agree with you uh, as well on the on the actual value of the of the third pick. I I don't love it. <laughs> it's not my favorite spot to land in a in a draft, but but it's hard for me not to eye depending on the format either Alvin Kamara there or or Derrick Henry in in anything like a half PPR or standard league. Let's let's take one more uh, take one more chat question here. What's your outlook on Antonio Brown in half PPR? Is it crazy? Uh, let's see here. Is it crazy that I see him getting 120 targets this year? How are you feeling about AB? I think, I think Antonio Brown is good as a, like a wide receiver three, right? I think he's a low end wide receiver three. I don't know about 120 targets. I, I think he's, I think he's, he'll end up with, you know, 70, 70 ish receptions on whatever targets he gets. I, I don't know. I think he's fine as a wide receiver three. And I think that last year they found ways to use him. And I think that they're going to probably, I would assume they're going to kind of go back to what worked. Right. I mean, they won the Super Bowl, and I feel like he and Tom Brady have this, you know, this chemistry, this special kind of connection. He he was able to get him back on the, you know, the the straight and narrow or whatever. So um, I like Antonio Brown. I think he's fine where he's going. You know, I wouldn't reach for him, but um, I feel like as a low end wide receiver three, I think he's, you know, he's definitely draftable. 
Yeah, he's another name that uh, that could have worked its way into the the question that we took earlier about like three, you know, number three right. receivers on on high volume teams. Um, he would have been a he would have been a perfect name there because it's a it's an offense that is clearly going to be great. You know, as long as Brady doesn't fall off a cliff, and we've literally seen no sign that he's you know that he's subject <laughs> to the normal aging rules, right? Like it just does not seem like it's going to happen. He just threw forty touchdown passes. There's there's and these receivers are great, so. It, like Brown is also in a situation where he's he's not even I mean, it's, it's crazy to say, because wh- whatever you think of Antonio Brown, he's inarguably one of the greatest receivers of all time and one of the great technicians at his position of all time. And he's he's like an afterthought in the offense. You have to worry about this like six, five dominant, you know, giant in in Mike Evans. And then Godwin is also um, just an absolute technician, a wonderful player. So like it's it's tough is there 120 targets is are, is that kind of workload out there for him that's probably not where i'd peg it but if antonio brown sees 100 targets could he catch 70% of those sure like he he's antonio brown mm-hmm. and it's tom brady so i can i can easily imagine a a 70 catch i don't know 880 900 yard season with an appropriate touchdown total when we consider the 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 total you know potential of this offense you know so that's maybe that's maybe seven touchdowns something like that I, I've got him right now right around wide receiver thirty three or thirty four I think that's probably where he finishes mm-hmm. I I don't think that's aggressive at all I can see him out producing that so one hundred and twenty might be a lot but it's not it's not a crazy suggestion and of course if either of the other receivers gets hurt then then he really has a shot at uh, at a significant target total. I'm going to I'm going to do two things here. I'm going to pivot to your article on deep sleepers and okay. um, also take a, a question from the from the chat here because they these tie together. One of your in fact, I think it was the topper in the article on sleepers was uh, uh, was a Saints uh, wide receiver. And we have uh, a, a person asking us right now, is there a Saint wide receiver worth drafting? So uh, please name one for us. Um, I would love to actually. Um, and yeah, that would be uh, Marquez Marquez Callaway. Yeah, I'm not pronouncing his first name. Marquez Callaway. Um, he, it's crazy, but you know, didn't know the name a couple months ago. But the guy is, uh, you know, you go okay. So you've got Michael Thomas is out at least six regular season games, right? Traquan Smith is out for an undisclosed leg injury. They won't even say what it is or how long he's gone, but he's he's gone, right? I don't know why the Saints are so tight-lipped on that situation, but they are. So you have a guy that right now is being drafted as wide receiver 70 who could be the wide receiver one on this offense. Now, we don't know which quarterback we're getting, but at the same time, both guys are capable of throwing, you know, to Marquez Calloway. Both they both have a bigger arm than Drew Brees did last year. So I feel like you know, he's <laughs> a steal right now. And the thing about him is he's so, he can redraft. He's so cheap that if for some reason he doesn't pan out, you just send him to the waiver wire. But you could get a super steal at this point. You know, listen, I think Alvin Kamara is going to see some of those targets that Michael Thomas would have gotten, but not as much. I mean, I feel like. You know, I feel like Callaway's a really good, you know, I mean, you're getting a, a huge ceiling for dirt cheap. He's got a little bit of size too, right? Like he's, I think he's 6'2". Um, so that's not like, it's not like elite dominant receiver size, but it's, but it's good. He's the one guy that has consistently been buzzy throughout Saints camp at the at the mm-hmm. receiver position. We've been we've been trying to turn uh, Adam Troutman into a thing, and maybe he'll be a thing. Maybe one of the tight ends there is going to be a thing, but but it's not it's not guaranteed, and it hasn't happened uh, in a while. Uh, and I think Callaway, as you say, to start the season, whoever's at quarterback, may, I feel like some of the the reason that we're so down on Callaway, relatively speaking, at least in terms of uh, the consensus ranks and, and ADP and all that, is probably just quarterback confusion. But like, we're not going to love whichever player they settle on. So we can just wrap our heads around the fact that it's going to be a flawed quarterback. I mean, that's just, that's just what it's going right. to be. We're like, it's not going to look exactly like it did with Breeze. It's going to be a flawed quarterback, but it's going to be somebody who's going to be able to support at least one viable receiver. And I think Callaway almost by default at this point is probably that guy, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on board. And like I said, it's not going to cost you a lot if it doesn't pan out, you know? Yeah. A couple of other names from the sleeper list. You mentioned both, Patriots tight ends. And I, I'd be really interested in hearing your thoughts here because I've been 
I don't know. I'll, I'll like I'll call myself a bit of a coward at the tight end position. I was talking earlier about how I'm taking Travis Kelsey in the first round of all these drafts. Like I just I don't want to leave drafts without a uh, w- one of the big one of the big six tight ends. I I don't like doing it. I am aware that there's a path to winning, and I know that there's this whole big group of tight ends where like a bunch of them are going to produce five to eight touchdowns, and that's going to settle the matter of who who ranks like seven to twelve. To me, it just seems like such a minefield and the and the positional edge that you get at the very top is so strong. Um, but you did mention Jonu Smith in, in particular, I think, is, is is certainly a really good player. Like they're really good real life players. Hunter Henry, when healthy, good real life player. I don't know what this uh, what this Patriots passing game is really going to look like and how many every week fantasy starters we can really count on. Yeah, I agree. Um to a certain extent. So when it comes to tight end for me, I'm kind of like you, right? I love, I definitely want to get one of the top tight ends, but if I don't, then I go all the way to the bottom. You know, I skip the, the <laughs> fans and the, I skip the fan and the Higby and the Logan Thomas. And I skip that tier and I go all the way to the bottom. And I think, you know, when, when, when Henry and, and John New Smith signed, you know, days apart, actually one day apart, they both signed with the Patriots. Uh, I was out. I'm like, they're going to cannibalize each other. I'm not taking either of them. I'm out. And then as this offseason has, has gone on and, and training camp preseason, I kind of sold myself on John New Smith um, specifically. He's, he's kind of the one of the two that I would take. You know, when, when seeing how this offense is, is lining up, I mean, yes, you have Jacoby Meyer, right? He seems to be the guy that's, you know, emerging as the, as the wide receiver one in that offense. But other than that, I feel like John New Smith is just going to get so many targets in this offense. I feel like you know, Josh McDaniels is going to kind of use, you know, it's cliche to talk about the whole Gronk and Aaron Hernandez era or whatever, but I feel like they may try to recreate that to a certain extent. I think there's going to be a lot of two tight end sets. And then I feel like Smith is the better of the two as far as just pass catching and running routes. And, and, and I think he's going to be more fantasy relevant, I should say. The thing is they, they have both had injuries. I mean, Hunter Henry already hurt his shoulder. Yeah. Johnny Smith had some kind of injury, but I think he's fine. So I think for his price and where he is, um, I'm taking John at times. I mean, am I not? Like, I'm not targeting him in every draft or anything, but I am going to sprinkle him in here and there because I do feel like, with the offense the way it is right now and the way it's looking like it's going to be built, I think that they're just going to get a ton of targets between the two of them. And I think Smith is going to end up the target leader there. Yeah, you know, he may even see more targets than Jacoby Myers at the end of the season. But I do feel like, you know, the offense is going to go through the tight end position. And um, I've kind of, I mean, I don't know if I've just talked myself into it by writing a couple articles on it and making myself feel that way, <laughs> but uh, they are both super inexpensive. So, you know, it's one of those things where I, you know, I can make myself decide to take them. So my, the follow-up question here, uh, if you're, if you're drafting Johnny Smith, are you rooting for Mac Jones to take that job? Like, are you, I, I feel like one of the, like, listen, I would love to see Cam Newton as a totally competent, you know, uh, uh, you know, the version of Cam that we saw five years ago, six years ago. Uh, that would be great. He's also a problem for everybody else when they get in goal to go situations. Right. And so if you're counting on Johnny Smith yep. catching eight touchdown passes or something like that, well, the, Cam running the ball into the end zone 11 times a year is not <laughs> is not helping your cause in a way. So, like, are you, are you rooting for Mac Jones there or do you feel equally strong about about these tight ends with Cam? Yeah, I guess you'd have to really root for Mac Jones in that situation. And I do feel like he will eventually take over. I don't know. Cam is really interesting because, you know, last year we gave him a pass, right? He had COVID. He didn't really learn the playbook. He never really felt well. You know, he's back. He hasn't played that well in the preseason to, like, knock anybody's socks off. So um, I, I guess I'm kind of rooting for Mac Jones to get there. I don't think he's going to start right away or even close to right away. I mean, Cam will be the starter for a while. But I guess I'm also counting on maybe some, you know, just some – I don't want to say garbage yards, but, you know, some middle of the field just dump offs, you know, to Smith and I guess more than necessarily goal line. I know with tight end, we do like to see a lot of a lot of red zone action, and, and it may not be the case if Cam does end up running. But uh, I do feel like there there is still a role for Smith, and I feel like with their lack of weapons, I'm not sold on Nelson Aguilar. I'm not sold on Kendrick Bourne. Like I, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think it's really going to be Jacoby Myers and then Smith and Henry kind of in a in a two tight end situation. Yeah, we've we've actually got a, a question from from a viewer that ties into this. Um, it's Cam Newton question. 
Uh, let's see here. Does Cam Newton have a future on another team after this year, anticipating him to start this full year before the team transitions to Mac in 2022? I, uh, like a full year of Cam is, is really quite a question. Um, I, I feel like they're going to, like, I feel like certainly the competition and the level of play that we've seen in the preseason is close enough between Mac and Cam that I'd be a little bit surprised if Mac Jones isn't the quarterback by the end of the year. He's presumably the the quarterback of the future. He's a first round pick on him. Um, so I think that eventually happens. Um, I hope that Cam has a future on another team after this year. Like I, you know, you mentioned most of the the storylines about, about Cam a season ago. He like that Seattle game really happened. Like he did have a good passing effort um, on his, on his tape ahead of uh, suffering from COVID. Right. And he was terrible for like a month after coming back from COVID. And I don't think we should just dismiss that. Um, but it was a, like, it was a bad passing season, more rushing touchdowns than passing scores is crazy in, in the year 2020. Um, that that's just absolutely nuts. Um, I hope he has a future with another team. It seems like he's handled this competition reasonably well. It seems like he handled last year about as about as maturely and as well as possible. So the the whole question is really like, I mean, Cam Newton probably has an NFL future beyond this. But the question is whether he has a, a future as a fantasy relevant NFL starting quarterback. And I hope that's the case. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't place a whole lot of stock in Cam Newton in like dynasty ranks or anything like that, because this year mm-hmm. is going to is going to entirely tell the tale. But he may like he may. I don't I don't feel I don't have a hot take on this. I don't feel particularly strong about it. I do. I do feel like Cam is one of those sort of interesting um, best ball picks, right, where we know we're going to get a couple weeks that are high scoring weeks out of Cam. As long as he starts, he starts a month and a half of games. One of those games, he's going to have two rushing touchdowns, probably multiple games. And uh, he's going to rank as a starter in in both of those. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you hit all the points. The only thing I was really going to say was that it is the NFL after all. So we all know Cam Newton does have a future on another team. (laughs) I mean, if you can throw the ball in any way, shape or form, he's going to get a job somewhere. Like you said, whether he's fantasy relevant for years to come, that's to be determined. But uh, he will definitely have a job for a while. I mean, he's not you know, in his forties yet. He's not, you know, I mean, he's definitely, he's got yeah. a, a long future of holding a clipboard somewhere. If, if, if nothing else. Let me ask you about another name from the, from the sleeper list. Um, and I've, I'll admit that I've been pretty bashful on this guy and I was so in on him last year. This might've actually been my most drafted. I'm embarrassed to say that it was one of my most drafted players, but, uh, Blake Jarwin, <laughs> Blake Jarwin. I saw, like, I saw the path to a million targets last year. I thought it was going to be a really good season. Of course he has the very early injury, uh, done for the year. Dalton Schultz was fine as a as a replacement. I'm I'm seeing. I feel like I'm seeing more and more Blake Jarwin buzz now on Twitter. But there's so many tight ends out there that like we're we're all guaranteed to have the tight end ranks wrong from like seven to to twenty oh, yeah. because there's so many tight ends where I can imagine a path for that guy. You know, finishing the year with seven touchdowns and seventy catches or something like that. And not all of them are going to do it, but there's a whole bunch of interesting names. I feel like there's I feel like there's twenty tight ends that should rank between seven and fifteen. And obviously, obviously, we can't do that. But Blake Jarwin is probably one of them. So uh, tell us why you're a little bit optimistic about him you know i am optimistic about him dalton schultz worries me a little bit um there i believe they've had similar snap counts in the preseason which is not not a good thing for fantasy uh clarity but uh like we were talking about earlier i think that dallas is going to score a lot of points this season dallas is going to win a chunk of games and and i feel like you know jarwin is going to be I guess option four really on that offense. I mean, if you can, if you can, if you count Zeke, then I guess option five, but uh, I feel like there is a path to a lot of targets there. Uh, whether or not like the Schultz thing does scare me, right? Cause they could come in and, and somewhat cannibalize each other as well. But the good news with Jarwin, like I've been saying, I mean, he's super cheap. So it's one of those things in redraft. If you roll a dice on him and he doesn't pan out, you just send him to the waiver wire and grab an, you know, grab a Gerald Everett or grab a, you know, whoever else. Yeah. And like you said, there's a huge chunk after that, you know, after the top six that could all end up being, you know, a low tight end one at the end of the season. And it's just a matter of which one ends up, you know, it, it's really tough to decipher. It's a, you know, tight end is is not, uh, not for the faint of heart as far as ranking and trying to figure it out because there's so much going on. But, you know, in the fantasy world, you'd like to attach yourself to, 
high scoring, high powered offenses. So at the end of the day, if it's between him yeah. and say Dan Arnold or whatever, I would go with, you know, Jarwin. Yeah, agree. I think that is actually the winning argument here that uh, it, it, we know it's going to be a high volume offense as long as they as long as they have a healthy DAC. Um, right. We know the pace that that offense was on last season. So he's going to he's going to presumably be a big part of that. Let's uh, let's close this out with a couple of more questions from the from the chat. Here's here's I always like the am I crazy for doing this um, kind of questions. <laughs> and, and here's one of them from uh, D. Mendy. Am I crazy for having Russell Wilson as the QB one? In fantasy, I think there's a path for him to get there, uh, but everybody is sleeping on him. Uh, Russell Wilson, QB one. Do you like it? Do you hate it? How much do you hate it? Um, I hate it mildly. I, I like <laughs> Russell Wilson. Though. That's the thing. Like, I actually like Russell Wilson, and I do feel like people are sleeping on him. Not as the QB one, but like as a top five QB. I do think people are sleeping on him. He's he's. You know, people want those initial, you know, those, those top four, four or five guys. And, and Russell always slips to like the seventh, eighth, ninth round. And, and people forget that he runs. He also throws. They have a different, you know, they have Shane Waldron this season. They have, a, you know, who's coming over from the Rams. Definitely more of a pass-happy guy. If Russell does cook and run, you know, he's going to be possibly a top five. I don't see him as the number one guy, though. I just don't. Uh, yeah, I just don't, I, I can't, I don't have a, a bevy of reasons, but, but it's just kind of a gut. I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. The, the first thing I'll say here is that if you, you know, and I, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to view Russell Wilson as a, as a plausible QB one. Like, I, I don't know where I'd put the odds, 12%, something like that, 8%. It's not the most likely thing, but it's possible. I mean, he's Russell Wilson. He's, he's, uh, one of the best quarterbacks of his generation. It, like if you see that as a as a as a potential outcome, you've got an edge because you don't have to draft him uh, at uh, you know first, second, third, fourth, or fifth at uh, among the QBs, right? So like you have a real opportunity to get your QB one in like in like round eight, round nine, something like that. People aren't you know people aren't fighting each other for Russell Wilson in drafts. So you ha- you have a real edge if you see that as a as a serious advantage, right? Like you can walk out of your fantasy draft with your QB1 and potentially with the top ranked player that you have at other positions too. I actually think that this Seattle offense is it's one of those stories that we're maybe not. And I'm hey, maybe maybe in Seattle, they're talking about this a lot. I hope they are. Um, We're not talking about it nationally nearly enough. Like there's a there's a real system change happening here. And Russell, I mean, Russell puts a positive spin on most things, but he's really talking it up. And we have this little, you know, uh, uh, McVeigh coaching tree wrinkle that's going on. There's a lot of conversation about how this offense maybe isn't just going to be. We still have Pete Carroll to worry about, too. And it could be that at the end of the day, Pete Carroll just wants to run the football. And they want this to be as much Chris Carson based as Russell Wilson based. But man, Wilson himself and and the receivers in Seattle are saying good things about the about the offensive system that is being implemented. And one of the big wins would be, you know, if it's not just a like some sort of deep vertical offense and we don't just expect DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to do the same things. But if they if they actually attack the field at multiple levels, if there's horizontal elements to it, right, like nobody likes to hear that necessarily, but it would mean that would kind of unlock Gerald Everett. That could add, you know, that could add different possibilities to Tyler Lockett, who's a wonderful player. And DK Metcalf is basically a superhero. So this could be this could be really good. This could be really fun. The The other weird thing about Seattle is that almost every season, they go into a buy and they come out of the buy and they're a completely different team, right? Like it's just one of those weird things yes. that seems to happen. They reinvent themselves midseason. It's been happening forever. Um, we'll we'll see it. We'll see if it happens again. Anyway, I think that I think the Seattle like sort of offensive changes are are super fun and I'm pretty optimistic about them. So it, I, I will say it wouldn't shock me if Russell Wilson certainly is like a top three fantasy quarterback. I think that's very much in play. Let's let's take one more question before we get out of here. And it is uh, Brandon Ayuk. This is this is great. Um, this is a Matt Harmon favorite, by the way. Um, nobody likes Ayuk as much as Harmon, which is usually a good sign. Um, lots of hot takes with him. A Yahoo article says he's a star in the making. Other analysts seem to hate him because uh, the Niners are supposedly running every down. Thoughts on Brandon Ayuk? And we can take this really quickly before we get out. I like Ayuk. I have absolutely no problem. I, I definitely don't hate him. Um, I've been tending to go with D-Bill Samuel a little bit later just because he's cheaper, and I don't know that there's going to be a huge difference between the two. But I do think the Niners are going to throw more than people think they 
are. Um, it depends also on, on George Kittle. George Kittle is one of those guys that, uh, you know, he's a target hog, but at the same time, you know, I keep saying this, he's, he's a maniac. And so he, the way he plays, you know, I feel like he's <laughs> destined to get hurt, which is why I don't take him a lot. But uh, yeah, I'm totally fine with Ayuk. I, he's definitely a talented guy and I have no problem with him at all. Yeah, I, I feel like Ayuk is the one receiver on this on this roster who's more the 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 do it all, any route, any level of the field player. Um, we don't like Debo Samuel's really fun, but it's not his usage is not as interesting to me necessarily for fantasy purposes. I, I think Ayuk is the highest ceiling player. I think he's the guy who could be a potential star here. And like, we, it's fine to worry about the Niners being, you know, a run heavy team, but that we're talking run heavy in like 2021 terms. Like they're going to throw a ton. N- no team this year is going to throw 16 times a game. Like, you know, this isn't, this isn't 1977. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> any, any offense that is quarterbacked reasonably well, can support multiple viable fantasy receivers. And I, I, I've got, I've got Ayuk in the, in the twenties and I feel like I, I may actually be too low on him. Um, we went, went a little bit long this week, but it was really fun. And I am excited, uh, Jennifer, that you are going to be part of the Yahoo cast as we get into this season, uh, producing regular content for us. Um, so a huge thanks to you for coming on, coming on the pod this week, coming on the live stream. I know these things are a little bit weird, a little bit, uh, you know, you, n- you never know what questions are going to roll in, but thanks for rolling with it. Great catching up with you. And again, really looking forward to seeing you on Yahoo this year. Other exciting podcast updates at Yahoo Sports. If you are looking for college talk, and there's a decent chance that you are, follow the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our good friend Pat Forty from SI. College football starts this week. That's pretty exciting. That means that your Iowa Hawkeyes season um, is soon to be underway, as well as the Georgia Bulldogs, a lesser team from a lesser conference. Um, I am Andy Barons. That is Jennifer Eakins at the Monday Mommy on on Twitter. Check us out on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. Matt Harmon going to be back with a brand new episode tomorrow. But until then, we are out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.